Welcome to HRI's Next in Health podcast. I'm Trina Sideros, and I lead PwC's Health Research Institute. I also lead the firm's Business Insights Sectors team, which produces thought leadership on everything from financial services to energy to technology to pharmaceuticals. And I'm Igor Belakronetsky, a principal with Strategy End, the strategy arm of PwC. And today I am joined by my partner, JP Zonnenberg, who is one of our leading experts on pharmaceuticals and life sciences. So we're going to talk about pharmaceutical quality today. And I thought a little survey of history would be in order. Our history in the United States with pharmaceutical quality and concerns about it and regulation of it dates back to 1906 with the passage of the Pure Food and Drug Act. And that law didn't have a lot of teeth. Its emphasis was on making sure that consumers had a lot of information or at least more information about what was inside that bottle of medicine. It should sound very familiar because that's very similar to some of the regulatory power that the FDA has today. The thinking then was that the public deserved to know if the medicine they had purchased contained the ingredients that it said it had. And also the public deserved to know if there was anything in there that was considered riskier, such as cocaine or heroin, which was regularly added to medications back then. But they did not necessarily have the right to a complete list of the ingredients, which was considered proprietary information. So some of the DNA of our modern regulatory framework was set back then. This was a time that technology allowed scientists and regulators to determine what was in a medicine sort of for the first time. So that was a revolution at the time. And so that's what gave rise to this new thinking about what is in medication and that it should be transparent and that quality was something that we could measure and regulate. All of this is from Dr. Nancy Tom's terrific history of the American healthcare consumer remaking the American patient. And so with that backdrop, that this has been a concern in the United States for a while, and that we've come a long way since then, even though some of the pieces we can date back to that period of time. I want to ask you, JP, what's the current state of drug quality and why is this a burning issue right now? Absolutely, Trina. And indeed, pharmaceuticals have come a very long way in the last 100 years. Just think about life expectancy. It has nearly doubled over the last 100 years, and pharmaceuticals has certainly been part of that success story. And if you think more recently, advances in oncology treatment have given many, many people an extension on life. And if we look at the pipelines of the various pharmaceutical companies, this trend will only continue to improve over the next decade or so. And for the most part, patients can trust that the pharmaceuticals that they take on a day-to-day basis are of high quality. However, there's still some very notable exceptions to the quality in the pharmaceutical industry. In the U.S., there are drug shortages that are tied directly to pharmaceutical quality. If you think about the developing world, there are many issues with the quality of medicine as well as counterfeiting. And if you think about recalls that are happening on an ongoing basis, there's still such a frequency that it impacts the patients. So there's certainly a number of issues that we need to solve within the pharmaceutical supply chain as it relates to quality. And indeed, if you think about the future, the products and the supply chains are just going to become more and more complex. There's going to be more outsourcing leading to more global supply chains, more complex supply chains. 
some of the treatments that we're going to see in gene and cell therapy are going to be much more complex than manufacturer. And they're also going to be many, many times more expensive, sometimes running into the hundreds of thousands, or sometimes even the millions of dollars per treatment. And there's also new technologies, such as cell and gene therapy, that are using mRNA technology. And speaking of mRNA technology, the two leading COVID vaccines are using this technology. And that's been a great, great success story over the last 18 months. The speed at which we developed and manufactured the new vaccines and the effectiveness of the new vaccines is nothing short of a miracle. And we should be building on this success that we've had over the last year or so to improve the level of trust that the patients have in the pharmaceutical industry. I used the word trust a few times, and there's a reason for that. And as an industry, we collectively should continue building that trust with the patients. As an example, there's still people in today's world that do not take the COVID vaccine because they don't trust the industry or they don't trust the government to make sure that they are healthy and stay in the best spirits. And these are the type of issues that we have to overcome. We have to build the trust. JP, you said a couple of magic words. You said trust and you said ecosystems, and those are both near and dear to our hearts as a firm. We work and our mission is to build trust in society to solve important problems. And when we think about the future of healthcare, the future of the health industry, what we see is this major shift where the competition is not going to be just between individual companies, individual players, but also between entire ecosystems that will compete with each other to innovate, to win consumer trust, to develop great new treatments and bring them to market. And so can you talk a little bit about how the game changes when it's actually ecosystems that are developing and delivering these new treatments and putting them out in the market and winning trust and getting better outcomes? Yeah, absolutely, Igor. From our perspective, if you look back, you know, 20, 30 years, a pharmaceutical company developed their own drug, they manufactured their own drug, and they sold their own drug. In today's world, it's much, much more complicated than that. To bring a new product to market and to keep a product on the market is very, very challenging. Developing a drug can take over a decade, can cost over a billion dollars. Manufacturing a drug can take one to two years. And instead of one company controlling that entire value chain, there are many, many partners involved. These partners include a network of leading hospitals and research centers around the world. It will include a large network of manufacturing sites to develop, manufacture, and test both the chemical and biological agents that go into our medicines. And finally, the sites that package and distribute the drugs to either individual patients or through a very complex set of distribution channels. And many of these partners are outsourcing partners, so they're not within the control of one company. That's why I think it's so important to talk about the ecosystem rather than just the quality of an individual company. And if you think about the miracle that we witnessed over the last 18 months with the COVID vaccine, where we've already distributed over 3 billion doses of vaccine around the world, this could not have been done in isolation. It had to be done with a number of partners, as well as with a very strong foundation of quality in place across the different companies within the network. So it's very important to think about this as a network. 
JP, it sounds like to me, I think one of the important concepts is that the supply chain is very complex and that at any point along the way, if you have a quality breakdown, it can really disrupt the rest of the manufacturing process and if impact consumers, impact providers who are depending on these medications and treatments for their patients. And so you have this complex ecosystem. You have this need for quality at each part along the way. You don't necessarily have good vision at this point into every single piece in real time. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what are some things that can be done to address this? You have this incredible complexity and this really high stakes situation where you know, medications are very much needed. Can you talk a little bit about that? What can be done? Yeah, let's talk about this from two different perspectives. One from within a company, and a second perspective across companies, actually across the entire industry. So first of all, within a company, and this applies to whether you're a contractor, a supplier, a manufacturer, or distributor, you have to make sure that the quality within your operations is as good as it possibly can be. You must make sure that when you develop the product or manufacture the product, make sure that you have a culture that drives continuous improvement. And even though perfection will never be achieved, we should always strive for excellence. We should always strive for continuously improving the products and the services we offer as it relates to pharmaceutical development and pharmaceutical manufacturing. Then if you look across the industry, why is it so important? Because it's such a strong network. If one supplier delivers a poor quality product, it will impact the entire supply chain and eventually it will impact the patient. Now think about it as the weakest link in a chain. If one link is weak and breaks, the entire chain falls apart. And let me use a different metaphor here. Think of a forest, a large forest with each tree representing a single company, a single company, a single manufacturing site, or a single development site. And you need all the trees within the forest to be healthy and flourish in order for the forest to be healthy overall. And it's not just the trees that we think about, it's the entire ecosystem of the animals and the climate, and it all must work together to grow a healthy forest over time. On the other hand, if one of the trees is diseased, it can spread rapidly throughout the entire forest, or sometimes even worse. If there's a fire, it can destroy the forest very, very quickly within days. Hence, we must make sure as an industry that the entire forest maintains a healthy environment, and that will benefit all. And that's why we talk so much about the ecosystem. And I think this is the next big thing in quality within pharmaceutical. It's not just looking within your company, it's looking across the company. And just like a single tree can survive by itself, it really does take a forest to make a difference in the world. And that's what we're striving for. And in order to do that, we need to ensure a much larger degree of transparency across all companies. We've got to find effective ways for companies to collaborate amongst each other. And we can do this through industry forums, through roundtables, through sharing resources, through sharing best practices. And we should do this on our own rather than wait for regulators to develop more regulations. And now is the time to do it because we have the technology to do so. We have cloud-based technology so we can closely collaborate, not just within our firm, but across suppliers. We need to make sure that this technology is used to drive visibility and transparency. And recently, we've actually seen the use of AI cases, artificial intelligence, to improve product quality, as well as to predict failure points within manufacturing and across the manufacturing network. JP, it's really exciting to hear your enthusiasm about this. It's contagious. It's hard not to feel just this exhilaration about the opportunity and the growth. 
What do you see is driving this growth? Because it really does feel like a special moment right now where there's an explosion in growth and it's just going to continue going forward. What do you think is behind it? Yeah, your question is why now? And I think there's three reasons why quality is more important now than ever in the past. One is that the world is ready. We've seen what's possible over the last 18 months, and we need to continue building on that. We should not let that deteriorate. We should build on what we already have. The industry is going to be delivering new products over the next decade, and we need to build upon that ecosystem that has been developed over the last few years. The second reason why I think now is the right answer is that there are new advances in science and technology. It's creating new possibilities to solve really complex problems like oncology and dementia. And these will be enabled by new technologies such as CRISPR, but it's going to be more complex and more expensive than ever before. That's why we need to work together and ensure the quality of the medicines we develop and manufacture as good as ever. And there's a third reason, a little bit more self-centric, but there's billions of dollars, tens of billions of dollars to be saved across the companies if we think it's an ecosystem rather than as individual companies. So in summary, I think there's three reasons why now. The world is ready, there's new advances in medicines, and there's billions and billions of dollars in savings to be had if we act soon rather than later. I think one piece of this that is often not spoken about as much is that there's a whole people end of this, a cultural change that has to happen to lift quality. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about that, JP, and what can be done around that. So it's not just the technology, it's not just the processes, it's also the people involved in manufacturing these treatments and all the different pieces of them that are key to raising quality. And if you don't address that, all the other pieces might not improve either. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, Trina. Culture is one of my passions. And let me talk a little bit about that and why. When we think about the technology that we just talked about, it's not a technical solution that we need to implement. It's a people solution. We can buy the technology. What makes it hard is the cultural change and the shift we need within companies, with the leadership team within companies, but also the staff level within companies to really start collaborating across the organization. We need to build the culture that overcomes the not invented here syndrome, so to speak. We need to change the mindset of the regulators on how to enable collaboration across companies. We need to change the mindset of the operations team in order to collaborate more effectively and share information and be transparent. And then we also have to transform the quality organizations and the culture themselves to be more risk-based, to understand what the true risks are and mitigate those accordingly. And that's what we mean by culture. And in my mind, culture is doing the right thing when nobody's watching. If nobody's watching and we do the right thing, that's when the quality will improve. That's when transparency will occur. And in order to do that, we need to think about the ecosystem that we've been talking about. The entire ecosystem needs to demonstrate that they are trustworthy as individuals and as an industry. We need to regulate us to be more proactive in encouraging adoption of new technologies. And finally, we need the healthcare sector, as well as the government, to collaborate and to provide facts so we can all share and benefit the patients. Thank you so much, JP, for joining Igor and me for today's episode. It's been super fascinating. I think drug quality is something that we're all interested in. It's very, very critical to the healthcare ecosystem. And so thank you so much for being with us. Katrina, thank you so much for hosting this session. And I'm looking forward to continuing the dialogue. Absolutely. 
For more on these topics and other health industry insights driven by policy, innovation, and care delivery changes, please visit our website at pwc.com forward slash HRI. Until next time, this has been Next in Health. This podcast is brought to you by PwC All Rights Reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.